0: Welcome back to another episode of Pocket Law Talks, here again with your host, Brad. Um, We've got Adam back over on the other end of the table. Hello. And producer Devin joining us again. This is the only real podcast. Every other
1: quote-unquote podcast you listen to is actually just a radio show that pretends to be a podcast. We are actually the only and the first and the only ever to be podcast.
2: Wow. The rest is just AI,
1: is that what you're saying? No, they're just radio show hosts. All All right. We'll go with it. All right. Okay. We're the only one. Cool. Night lighting as a podcast. Yeah.
2: All
0: right. All right. Very good. All right. Well, in our, our last podcast, we touched up on the whole Delphi murder situation in terms of why was it that the um, pleadings and the documents, the investigation, everything that would normally be filed in a criminal case hadn't been filed in this case. Well, as I and uh, uh, Adam and Devin, we all talked about last time, the probable cause, a redacted version of the probable cause, has been released. Uh, so we're going to take a we're going to take a little deep dive into that today. Talk about what is and what isn't in there, and uh, then we'll update a little bit at the end about where the current legal process is. Some additional pleadings have been made that we'll we'll discuss a little bit too. Um, but the uh, probable cause was was released, and so that's big news. Uh, you've seen some of it already in the media, I'm sure the, we should set the scenario just a little bit. So the one thing that had been already filed in this case was what's called the charging information. Charging information is the document that prosecutor draws up and files that formally states the charges against Richard Allen. And in this case, there are two counts. Both of them are murder. Indiana, unlike many states, um, doesn't have like degrees of murder. So you'll see in some states there's first degree murder, second degree murder, third degree murder. We have murder. Then we have other crimes like voluntary manslaughter, reckless homicide, things of that nature. But we don't have degrees of murder. Within the murder statute is something called felony murder. Felony murder means you're not necessarily alleging that the person you've charged actually killed somebody, but that they were involved in a, committing a felony that resulted in the death of other people. And what's very interesting and what the probable cause, as we'll talk about here in a little bit, does not uh, really explain is why the state at this point has chosen to file essentially what are felony murder charges against Richard Allen for both um, the deaths of Libby and Abby in this case. Uh, what And what is that? And it's a little bit telling uh, because the, the felony they, were, they said, uh, was committed that resulted in the death of those two is kidnapping.
2: So odd. Yeah. So, so
0: odd. you know, they don't have to prove that there was kidnapping. They just have to now prove that Richard Allen was involved in a kidnapping that resulted in their deaths. So what does that tell us? That tips their hand just a little bit, I think. I think uh, that means that they, they you know, there's been a lot of talk out there that there's more than one person involved. So... If they believe that, that could mean a one of two things. That could mean that they don't know who actually did the killing. Right. Or they believe somebody else did the killing. and he that just participated. Mr. Allen was part of the kidnapping. Yeah. What's
1: interesting and something that we would most likely delve into a little bit later is the fact that there is a witness statement taken from someone else. And they basically said that there was four girls on the train track, not including herself. They were all walking, not together. The four girls were together. And then... If I read it correctly, she had seen another two girls walking, which ended up being the purported victims, and uh, she also stated that she's seen who we now assume to be Saul. You know, it's it's grammar police. Seen (laughs) Delphi, Delphi. Regardless, they should all just come (laughs) collectively together and call it Delphi and not Delphi. So I thought we got over that hurdle. Well, no, it's still fucked up, and it's been fucked up, and it's going to continue fucked up until we talked
2: about that last time.
0: Well, I, I think this was mostly off air. Uh, he likes
1: to bust my balls for saying Delphi. When everybody who ever has con- come to Delphi says Delphi for the first three or four weeks until someone says it's Delphi. <laughs> That's a lie. And they need to collectively just change their name. It rolls off the tongue better. Delphi.
2: Oh, Delphi. Oh, I don't think so. Don't, Delphi? That sounds like a dolphin. Delphi the, the dolphin. dolphin. What, what fucking problem you got with dolphins, dude? <laughs> Delphi, a dolphin tattoo.
0: the dolphin. Type
1: to throw plastics in the ocean, you fucking scumbag.
2: That went off the rails really quick. Anyways. Maybe we'll
0: get PETA as a sponsor.
2: Yeah, I think what's interesting is the the kidnapping. We, we heard a lot of the audio of down the hill, down the hill. I don't know if they're trying to use that as forcing him to go somewhere against their will, and that's the kidnapping, or if he intended to kidnap them, but it resulted in a murder, or if there's someone else involved, and he was just part of the kidnapping, someone else committed the murder.
1: Well, what's also interesting is, like how I was saying before you like to get on my ass about the grammar— that, There'll be
2: another one, I'm sure. Uh,
1: there was a, you know, there was another witness who had stated that she only seen who we assumed Saul? to be...
0: Shut the fuck up. You did just <laughs> literally do the same thing. You literally just, set yourself that up. That sounds man. like the ums you were all over me about last you time. You are.
1: You do say I'm a lie, and I'm also in a room <laughs> with a bunch of old fucks. <laughs> seen, saw, regardless, she had witnessed who we appeared to assume to be Richard Allen and only one male and, you know, the other four... I assume she had said juvenile than the other two juveniles who ended yeah. up being the victims. Yes. So she never seen any other males or just any other people other than four juvenile victims or four juveniles who were not victims, two juveniles who were the victims herself and another male who was assumed to be
2: Richard Allen. How lucky were those other girls? I mean, it's probably just because they were in a bigger group. Yeah, that may have been ultimately why. Yeah, absolutely. And I had really hadn't thought about that way. So let's talk
0: about... In, you know, you think about the word kidnapping, and what comes to mind immediately is the uh, darked-out window van jumps out. Somebody jumps out, grabs them up, throws them in the back of the van, and, and takes off, and, right. and somebody's missing their kid. That's not—I mean, that is kidnapping, but it's not that complicated. Uh, the statute in the uh, kidnapping law reads as, A person who knowingly or intentionally removes another person by fraud, enticement, force, or threat of force— from one place to another. So literally uh, you could take a a person from uh, inside Walmart to the Walmart parking lot by force and that would be kidnapping. There's nothing that that says you have to like actually take them away and run.
1: One thing, at least with Indiana laws, is that they can be pretty fickle too. For example, criminal confinement, you could get that easily. I mean, say you're in a discussion with someone and you lock the door behind you and they feel like they can't leave. The fact that they felt like they can't leave and you lock the door, that instantly makes a criminal confinement, even if that wasn't your intent. And if, you know, up until that point, there was no forbearance of the thought that they were about to be confined. It's the fact that maybe you locked the door or even if you were standing in front of a door, something like that can lead up to criminal confinement. So sometimes we see these charges and we're like, holy shit, like he must have really did some fucked up shit. And then we end up realizing, like, if anything, it kind of like how Brad had mentioned it kind of just tilts the cards in there you know, in their direction, so that way they have more of a leg up to try and see what's going on. Um, of course, you know, we do want to see exactly how this could have happened, and it's interesting to say what proof that they could have that it could be kidnapping. I mean, what proof do they have that their bodies were even moved, whether they were alive or dead or anything in that meantime? Yeah, uh, so,
0: the, so as they've set up the charge, they are going to have to sh- show that by force— Uh, Most likely, given that we are here, we've heard the video or the audio where he told them to go down a hill. Presumably, they're going to say, based on some of the other, evidence we'll talk about, that there was a weapon present, that there was force or threat of force, that they moved them from one location to another, let's presume from the trail to down by this creek or river where they're found. And that was all done by force. And then, during that process of kidnapping, they died.
2: Yes, if you look at they don't,
0: don't as they've charged it. Right, they don't have to show that Richard Allen actually no. did the killing.
2: Yes, correct. And I think what's telling is, you know, I don't know if we're going to get in this page by page, but on page two, which is the second full paragraph on page two of the probable cause affidavit, it mentions the fact that you're um, the end of the video. Um, there's mention. It says as the male subject approaches victim one and victim two, one of the victims mentions gun. And then near the end of the video, a male is seen and heard telling the girls, guys down the hill. And then it says again, guys down the hill. So if they did see a gun, that could be the threat of force that's mentioned in the statute. And then if he's forcing them to go somewhere against their will, guys down the hill. Well, is just seeing a gun presumed to be
1: a threat of force in an open carry
2: state? A lot of of times just showing the gun or just presenting it. Yeah, if you
0: display the gun and then give an order. I think I think your point's well taken. You know, if you're just displaying the gun, maybe not. But
2: context matters. Down the sure. hill, with while the showing gun, the gun, your,
0: you know. Presumably, most people don't just I mean carry. Most people don't just walk around with a gun in their hand. But if you do, well, yeah, And then you give somebody an order. It
1: doesn't state where the gun was. It just said that he had shown a gun. You don't right. know if it was in his waistband, you right. know, and it was just out on the outer waistband. And at least. The audio that we heard that was released to the public was pretty shitty. I didn't get, like, guys down the hill. I kind of just got, like, garbled feedback noises. I would assume that they have a way better video. It's probably been distorted from all the times of them, you know, re-sharing it and, like, re-changing its format. Well, um, in, a,
0: in, a, you know, in an IT world, you can take the, the um, audio and make it – Remove the distortion, and they may have, they may have done that, and right. just not released that, not to the, right. that to the public. So, why I don't know, but that's that's what at least appears on it. I'm just a little wary of being like
1: this guy for sure did it. Because don't get me wrong, like I really want this to be settled um, for the families and both. Just how this could have happened, and so many people wonder like how how could this happen and people not be found this this much time later. Um, but uh, at the and, same time, and, there's been people like really accused of this shit. I mean think of the landowner right who presumably had nothing to do with anything and yet he everybody really thought that he did it. Of course there's been some other freaks that got involved too like that guy who was catfishing and catfishing little girls and like snapchatting him stuff. Not saying that that guy definitely doesn't deserve to also be under the jail, but it it it'd be it'd be terrible to be gung ho on this guy and then end up finding out that it wasn't him and we're back at square one.
0: Well, I think everybody would agree they want this crime to be solved and they want somebody to be held responsible for it, but you want the right person to be held responsible right, for it. Right. It's a double tragedy if you have the wrong person to be held responsible for it because one, you're you're punishing somebody doing anything wrong and then two, you're letting the person that did it get away.
2: Right. But because of that, we do have the hope that this is the guy. Well yeah, but let's let's talk about what they they have to put him at the scene, which he in his own words and the probable cause after yeah. David does. And owns, I mean they the
1: victim did or not the victim, but the other lady who I mentioned earlier did say she only seen one male. Which fall. as much as it ties in that <laughs> – shut the fuck up. Which as much as it ties in that there may not have been another person involved, it does at least tie in that he was there, and presumably if he was the only male, he could have been the really only only person that could have done it.
2: Yeah, I mean, but the it's, the thing is he's there. He's yeah, if
0: it, diving into the evidence, they, one of the reasons they were likely trying to keep this confidential is the probable cause affidavit is fall full of – Juvenile witnesses. I think there's four or five different yes. juvenile witnesses. Their names are withdrawn from the probable cause affidavit, rightfully so. You don't want that. I mean, that would be an incredible amount of pressure, not only on the uh, public knowing who that was, but then think about what it would be like for them at school.
1: Oh, I mean, yeah. Their family, would, school, they'd never get any
2: respite from it.
0: Uh, and, and they would be, I suppose somewhat of a celebrity status but then also probably in a fucked
2: up way well yeah but don't forget they had not announced who the suspect was or if they knew at that point and if they had come forward with what the girl's information was and the guy had not been arrested right they could be in danger as well so what
0: what let's talk a little bit about what those juveniles provide they put a what i would i would say is very loose description of a a white male um, I think they used the word, um, they did call him creepy, creepy, which is interesting because I mean,
1: I'm sure it's easy to be called creepy by a prepubescent girl. <laughs> um, so take that in consideration. I wonder, that is true. We had this, uh, we had a little bit of a talk about this earlier is just if, the, if the facts of the case would change at all, if instead he came off as a really nice guy, if they still thought it would be this guy.
0: Well, and, and you have to put this through the filter of the situation too now presumably when these juveniles were interviewed about their presence on the trail that day knowing that they were at the trail at the same time or close to the same time these uh these murders happened now they're going back and remembering what they what they saw and are they adding words like creepy through the lens of hey something bad happened right out there exactly so that yeah, I mean, the, the fact that they described the person as creepy, I mean, that, that's borderline meaningless.
2: Well, but they also said they said hi to him and he said nothing and just kept his head straight down, which that can add to creepy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then there's a description by one of the juveniles. Now, it should be it should be stated clearly at this point, at least from what's in the probable cause affidavit. There's not a single juvenile that is specifically identifying this this individual they describe, this creepy individual they describe as being Richard Allen. Presumably, when there's identification of a, of a suspect at issue, they will take a photo array and put the suspect in it, have the witnesses look at the photo array and see if they can identify the person that they saw out of the scene from the photo array. Now, it's possible they did that, and that's not in the probable cause affidavit. It's also possible they did it, and none of them could have made an identification. I will say one thing is an overall on this on this probable cause is that there's definitely – well, they don't have to do it. They don't have to put every detail of the investigation in the probable cause affidavit. They usually do, and there's a couple reasons for that. One, as a defense attorney, if you don't put all the details in – the pleadings that you're presenting to the court, then I'm going to highlight that to the jury. Well, why didn't you include that in your investigation? For sure. Well, so you're, you're kind of giving the defense attorney a little bit of a softball by leaving out details. I can honestly say, and you know, there was a period in my career where I handled only murder cases when I was a prosecutor. I've never seen.
2: That was back back in like the sixties, seventies.
0: Yeah. Yeah dinosaur era for sure (laughs) definitely before computers (laughs) yeah and we were (laughs) typewriters word processor was a big deal uh code more yes (laughs) yes uh but anyways the uh entire entirety of my career i don't think i've ever seen a murder probable cause affidavit that does not include the the, how the
2: the decedents died with no mention of any information as to how uh, autopsy would have shown how they possibly died? Nothing. Crickets. Well, they don't. Do they? Do they don't
1: have to put all the information that they know in the probable cause, do they? They do not. They do not. So and there could be a whole trove
2: of but there valuable that could be. information. But that's a big thing to leave out. There's a, there's
0: strategy in that. If it leads me to believe because they've said it in the media a few different times that they believe that there's another person involved, that is interesting in is. a couple different ways because none of the eyewitnesses are putting another person involved none of the juveniles are none of the evidence that's in the probable cause affidavit implies that there's another individual involved except for the fact that they're not talking about the manner and cause of death so in a normal homicide probable cause affidavit it will end with or very close to the end it will end with the the cause and manner of death. The right. cause is what was the actual mechanism? Was it by a bullet? Was it by strangulation? Was it by a stabbing? Then the autopsy report will then say manner of death. Manner of death will be could be suicide, could be accident, could be natural, or in most cases, or in all cases when it's a homicide, they'll say homicide. And so that's how almost every homicide or murder problem cause affidavit ends is was the cause and manner of death as was determined by a forensic pathologist in the case. They've left that out completely. Now, one thing that I think Crickets. perhaps has happened in this case, and this is complete conjecture and speculation on my part. I don't have anything other than just basing this off my experiences. Because they keep saying there's another individual involved, I'm very curious if they found...
2: DNA on the scene that right. does not match right. Richard Allen right. or the victims. How would you like to be the defense attorney on this case, though, and know that that evidence exists and it wasn't included in the probable cause? That is going to be fun on cross.
0: Well, absolutely. And and that would explain, it's one of the really, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, What, why would they be doing it this way? Why are they being so protective about the nature and, cause of the actual death well if you believe that then another individual actually did the killing you don't want them to know those details before you have a chance to interview them right so that's a logical conclusion i think that's pretty strong i feel pretty strong about that that there's some evidence at that scene that says somebody else was involved in the actual um, murder of the of the two young girls and that would explain a lot of how they've taken this because, you know, that's, that's legit. If, if you do believe there was another individual, that would explain why they file felony murder against right. Richard Allen. Right. That would explain why they are not uh, getting into the cause and manner of death. Right. Is that somebody else was involved in this and that there's forensic evidence that they're the one that actually did the killing.
2: Do you think there's any... Merit to they may have no idea how the person died just based on the injuries were so severe or it could have been multiple things that caused the injury.
0: Yeah, I mean, if 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 it's a beating, they'll say blunt force trauma. Right. If I mean, it,
1: they they also said that one of the bodies was like assembled in a way as if someone took a picture of it. I've heard that as well. Yeah. A couple of news stories said that, which I mean, could become total bullshit. But if that's the case. You would think that they maybe found photos on his phone that would match that.
2: Yeah, maybe, but man, you
1: think that would be in there. I
2: mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the really only good explanation for why they're keeping those things so close to the chest is that they believe there's another person involved and they believe that person didn't or is the person that actually committed the, the killing itself. That would explain the felony murder for Richard Allen. That would also explain, in some ways, because one of the things that's a bit perplexing in this case is. Presumably, I mean, they knew this. They're saying this bullet was found between the two uh, girls w- within two feet of one of them. Right. So, presumably, it was found at the time that they were located.
2: You would presume that, yes.
0: Because if they didn't find it at the time they were located, they, then they couldn't conclusively say it was found next to the girls because it could have been found years later. So, let's presume that's accurate. That means they found that bullet back in 2017. Right. They didn't do the search warrant of Richard Allen's home until this year. To get the gun to compare it against.
1: And, and Which is you, so weird to me. If you had a gun that you used to murder people, why would you have it in your house five years
2: later? Well, that too. But here, here's what's weird to me. Because they left out how these poor girls died, let, let's say it was from a gunshot wound, they would have mentioned the fact that they found bullets and that they matched the bullet that was found in the scene that was not fired that matched his gun. There's no mention of that. The only mention of a of a bullet at all is the, the unfired casing that was found.
0: Yeah, there's not. Yeah, they're not saying that they were shot and killed. They're not saying there was any other.
2: It's also weird, though, how there'd be an unspent
1: casing. And I mean, maybe unless you had a pocket full of spare bullets, but even if you're going to, like, pistol whip someone, you know, you have to, like, rack your slide and have a bullet already in the chamber for a bullet
0: to pop out.
2: And then why would you take it out? That's what's weird about
0: it. Uh, A lot of people, though, will we'll keep one in the chamber. I mean, that's well, not that's that what I'm that's saying. true, but, but I'm why saying, would you rack it? Why would you, Yeah. Un- why rack would it? you
1: rack it? And if you're hitting someone with it, that's not going to be enough to make it rack.
0: I suppose if you didn't know for sure, whether you had one racked, you might rack one out. So uh, just reading up on, or maybe a show of force. Yeah. Like showing that he has one, I suppose. So what in reading up on what, so we're jumping to that. We'll, as we'll talk about that just a little bit at this point. There is a, a the, the bullet found at a scene. It's found presumably back in 2017 For some reason, they wait five years um, because they have they have Richard Allen as a suspect right off the bat. It should be noted he's
2: 2017. They interviewed him.
0: Yeah, he's interviewed in 2017 and admits to being (laughs) there during that time during the time frame this happened. So he he denies any involvement, but he admits to being at the at the time they're there. Now maybe they had I felt like they needed to wait to get some of these juveniles and videos because they have they have some video evidence of his carving there. But he already said he was there. So that's not at issue. So, why they wait five years to then do a search warrant of his home is is, is perplexing. So, so perplexing. And, and 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 there's something called the staleness doctrine in the law. The staleness doctrine means if you sit on information for so long that it becomes stale, you can no longer use it for a search warrant. So people might jump to the conclusion. Well, this is there's a staleness argument to be made by the defense saying that uh, this information was so stale they couldn't base a search warrant on it, but. In a case where they're looking to compare tool marks from weapons, those things don't change over time. They're not fungible. They don't have a dynamic way in which they change. So in theory, at least the staleness doctrine would would probably be survived for this search warrant. So they do the search warrant in 2022. They then do a forensic analysis of the um, tool marks on the firearm compared with the bullet that they find at the scene. And they, they determine it's Richard Allen's gun that that bullet at some point was in. Now, that results in them re-interviewing Richard Allen in 2022. And he still denies any involvement. He says, he does say some things that are helped him a little bit. And he says, no one else ever had access to my gun. Right. I'm the only one that ever had it, never let anybody borrow it. So they're, you know, they're eliminating the possibility that someone else took his gun out to that scene.
1: Assuming what he said is also correct.
0: Right. Absolutely. And then um, they arrest him. That leads me back to my original statement, though. If The delay in arresting him, the delay in investigating him, I think they must have something else at that scene that is not tied to him.
2: Yeah, so they can't directly tie him to the murder itself. Right. And or so calls into question whether he did the murder himself. If
0: there's, you know, the worst case scenario is some sort of semen or blood from the from the, um, or t- there's something called touch DNA.
1: Well, you would think that would make it an open and shut case if it had his DNA. Yeah, but DNA. it may not belong to him. But if it oh, doesn't well, yeah, belong
0: that, to that, him. That really fucks things up. And so the, when you get arrested in, in the state of Indiana, in most states for that re- matter. you take a mouse swab from you. They take a DNA swab from you. Why do they do that? Because if they find DNA at a crime scene, they can run it through a system and it automatically will pull up that person and they've got their suspect. Right. But that person's never been arrested before, never been in trouble before. And they have a sample of DNA. It's like finding a needle in a haystack to sure. try to figure out whose DNA that is if you don't have that source. Now they've got Richard Allen. Presumably, they've tested if they, this again, assuming they have DNA and it's not his, well, then, yeah, that will result in a long <laughs> delay.
2: Especially if that same DNA is found on both girls.
0: So that would explain why they would file a felony murder. Uh, get kidnapping, say he was just involved in the kidnapping, not necessarily the killing. I also want to hit on the fact that you said by
1: his own admission, he had said that he was there. And so I kind of wanted to get into a little bit of what he had said or what investigators who the narrative that they got from talking to him, what they got. So that way we can get to kind of like understand more of at least what he said. Um, Because obviously, if he did commit the murder, he's not gonna be like, yep, I was there. And I saw these girls and blah, 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 blah. So prior, there was a victim who said there was a group of four girls, and there. And then there was a group of two girls who ended up being the victim, and that she seen, saw...
2: Oh, look at you. My God, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> whoever. <was unbelievable. laughs> I can't believe that. I was not expecting that.
1: Someone we <laughs> e- would expect to be Richard Allen. And so investigators reviewing prior tips encountered a tip narrative from an officer who interviewed Richard Richard M. Allen in 2017. That narrative stated... Mr. Allen was on the trail between 1330-1530. He parked at the old Farm Baroo building and walked to the new Freedom Bridge. While at the Freedom Bridge, he saw three females. He noted one was taller and had brown or black hair. He did not remember description, nor did he speak with them. He walked from the Freedom Bridge to the High Bridge. He did not see anybody, although he stated he was watching a stock ticker on his phone as he walked. He stated that there were vehicles parked at the High Bridge trailhead. However, he did not pay attention to them. He did not take any photos or videos. His cell phone did not list an I-M-E-I, but did have the following M-E-I-D dash a bunch of numbers. And then it says potential follow-up information. Who were the three girls walking in the area of the Freedom Bridge? It says investigators believe Mr. Allen was referring to the former Child Protective Services buildings as there were photographs included a photo of the Monon High Bridge taken at 12.43 p.m. and another one taken at 1.16 p.m. of the bench east of the Freedom Bridge. Investigators believe Mr. Allen was referring to the former Child Protective services building as there was not a farm brew building in the area, nor had there been investigators believe the females he saw included redacted and redacted due to the time they were leaving the trail at the time he reported getting to the trail and the description of the three females gave the three females gave. What's interesting was, is that we also have multiple other people between the prior witness that we stated before, who said that there was a car parked at this old CPS building, child protective services, and that it's not unusual for cars to park there, but it was, Slightly weird how they were parked because I guess they were backed up to it and they were at the back of it as if to hide their license plate. And there was another person who had corroborated that same thing. They said it was like a purple PT Cruiser or a type of SUV. So it would also be really interesting to see if they were able to get a match of any of the vehicles even like remotely similar to what was stated by the victims if Richard Allen had ever owned one of those vehicles. He
0: did. I think there's mention of a Ford... Like a Ford Focus or something like that, where he had a uh, he has a smaller Ford vehicle that would be loosely similar, I guess, in in shape to
2: 2016 Ford
0: Focus, which
2: which they believed was similar in nature, but not the same. No, a Ford Focus does. I mean, PT Cruiser is very unique. Yeah, that's the ugliest vehicle ever made. Oh yeah, for sure.
0: And and, yeah, we'll eliminate Chrysler as a sponsor. Oh yeah, but that is literally (laughs) the. uh, I mean. it makes the Ford Pinot look like it's a little oh, stylish. Oh, for sure. For I, sure. It's, a, it, it's like an old milk wagon.
2: I, that's a stretch to me. Hey, that they're similar in They nature. got some
1: horsepower, though, surprisingly. A PT Cruiser? You can soup those babies up. Oh, my <laughs> Lord.
2: That is a lie.
1: That <laughs> is not a lie. Look it up.
0: People put, like, turbos in those bitches. Oh, boy. I can't even imagine. From a lawnmower engine? A PT Cruiser taken off the line. Anyways, the, the PT Cruiser and the Ford Focus are certainly not identical are they probably the same length maybe yeah i mean most people probably can't instantly but a pt pull cruiser a car is and be pretty, pretty unique
2: it's, and it's backed in so the front is of a pt cruiser looks nothing like a ford focus no
0: nothing I, the pt cruiser looks like this hybrid horrible ugly yeah. mini, uh, station wagon yeah. combined with a, a milk spaceship truck. In a milk truck. <laughs> yeah. Like they're going to deliver fresh like a
1: milk. a 1950s yes. milk truck, yeah. It's also kind of ironic
0: and the fucked Ford up. Ford Focus
1: is just a boring little car. Yes. That assuming whoever did it parked at the CPS, an old CPS building that ended up resulting yeah. in two dead miners. Yeah. That's this is what I don't understand super ironic. That,
2: that needs to be explained to me. So they had, in 2017, they have him there during the time frame based on the paragraph at the top of page 5 they knew the three females that were there so what on earth took 5 years to do the search warrant yes i don't get that either they must have known the bullet was there when they found the girls well what's
1: odd is the discrepancy the first lady said there was a group of 4 women and then a group of 2 women both all minors and now it's there was a group of 3 women i'm
2: starting to believe what you're saying because if they let's say they found the bullet and and they're, they're like, well, maybe we can tie it to him or not. But they found something else that does not tie him to the girls. That would explain why maybe they didn't take the effort to to test the, the gun or the bullet.
0: Some sort of DNA being at the scene is something not else. any of those three individuals. The two yes. the, two deceased girls and Richard Allen. Because
2: otherwise, why would you wait five years? There's there's right. no explanation. I mean,
1: if you remember, they, they also had a lot of other leads that they thought were it. I mean, they thought that landowner did it. Then there was that guy who was once again catfishing and... Pretended to be that cop in Alaska, so I mean
2: Yeah, but why would you need to even worry about that if you if you I mean, he's a f- tested well, the why gun not, right out of the game? Why gate? not do this search warrant? Yeah. There's there's a there is another
0: explanation. Well, first off, we'll say Richard Allen's statement in, in itself, before we leave that completely behind, is intriguing. You know, if you are the person involved in this crime, he's oddly tying himself into being there, and why? having seen right. the alleged vi- the victims in the case and the other three girls, but then being adamant, I had nothing to do with it. So it's very it's very interesting that he let's say let's assume for this discussion right now that he did he was involved. Why not just say he was never there? Right, or or I was there, but I never saw anyone. I didn't see. I never saw any girls right. walking on the track that day. Why would he not see the girls unless that he? was worried about something that was at the scene that my time to it. And that would give some sort of explanation, but it's a, it's a very weird statement. It's like he made some statements that were not favorable to him, but then he's, when it comes to any involvement, he, he completely held off. You, and my point is, if you're going to, lie about being involved in something you're usually going to lie about being lie tied big, to it at all lie big yeah i'm not i don't know anything about those girls right if i was i mean yeah i was at the tracks unless, I but I never saw unless like
1: you said though he knows that there might be something there that could tie to him and that's why maybe. he wants to be like well maybe i dropped x y or z or blah 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 at the same time though it, if he does end up not being the guy it just drives home where you don't talk to police without a lawyer it does, it does. it's a perfect example
0: isn't of why that our first have. uh podcast Yep. Yeah, it was. One, it was. I think number one on yeah. our top ten things our clients. Yeah, dumb mistakes our clients make. Yes. Um, but,
1: but an innocent person is also more willing to talk to police because they feel like they've done nothing wrong.
2: Yeah, but sometimes people that that commit crime, we, we should have Dr. also Koli think they back can talk themselves out of it. They're smart yes. enough to talk themselves out of it. Thanks. If he had never given a statement, all they would have. No, I don't even know that. They wouldn't even maybe be able to t- uh, tie the bullet to his gun.
0: Yeah, I think him putting himself at the scene and then the bullet. So I want to let's let's I want to jump to where I think we'll end up ending. We're going to end with a little discussion about some legalities and what's going on in the case, but I want to jump to the bullet. The the crux of this case is it sits right now 100% in the cause after David. Now there could be other evidence we don't know yet is the bullet that's found at the scene within two um, feet of one of the victims and in between her and the other victim. Yes. is according to the prop cause affidavit identified to a firearm owned by Richard Allen in his home. Now it's important. It is an unspent bullet. What that means for those that are not gun enthusiasts, it means it hasn't been fired when a gun is or when a, a bullet is fired. So it's hard to explain this without a visual, but bullets have casings. The casings are the really long part of the bullet. And then the very tip is the actual bolt itself. When you fire a firearm, that casing part shoots out of the gun and then the bullet is the projectile that actually goes and does all the damage either one of those two items when it's fired will leave a, a unique imprint when it goes through the rifling of the of the barrel so as a as a fire or as a bullet projects through the barrel of a gun it, it spins. spins really really fast and inside of each barrel of the gun is a bunch of unique um, rifling characteristics that will leave unique imprints right. on the casing and the bullet both. Yeah right? There's
1: the rifling that will make the bullet spin and they do that So that way it's more accurate and it has longer velocity While at the same time or higher velocity I should say well at the same time there are small grooves that you know would be able to direct, direct, differentiate One barrel from another if a if a bullet was fired through it and just like a fingerprint gun manufacturers go through extreme lengths to make sure that every single barrel is different in in the slightest of ways, so that way you can sure tell that a bullet fired from certain gun is foreshore coming from that gun. But they, there's also marking, which I think you're going to get into. For yeah, we'll, we'll talk fired. about
0: that for sure. The, so what they do is when they find a projectile, a fired projectile normally is what we see most often, uh, they'll take that casing. and They'll take the the fragment of the bullet. Sometimes the bullets are too damaged to do a lot with. Sometimes they aren't. But they'll take that uh, piece of firearm. They'll take it and they'll take the, the the gun they have recovered in a search warrant. They'll fire another bullet encasing through that firearm, and then they'll take the one they find at the scene, and they'll take the one that from they fire, fired in the laboratory, and they'll look at them, and there'll be grooves and cuts into those pieces. So the get a little hyper-technical here, the metal in the barrel of the gun is slightly harder than the metal that is used in the weaponry, so it leaves grooves in it. the
1: bullets are copper and whereas, you know, a barrel is usually made out of steel.
0: Right, and so it'll leave grooves that are unique, and so when they match the two or they look at the two, they're going to have the same exact markings in them. And if there's enough markings, and most times on a fired projectile, there's a lot of markings, they can say conclusively, this projectile was fired from this gun. Now, this case is different because it is an unspent cartridge, so an unfired bullet. So this did not go through the barrel. It went through two potentially identifying events can happen in an unfired projectile. Markings as it it advances up through the clip, the clip itself can sometimes leave a unique marking in it. And then if you rack the bullet into the chamber and then you rack it again, it'll shoot the projectile out, the ejector. Um, and the racking mechanism can also leave marks. Slide against the bullet. That, it, that can be used to identify. But it is trickier. And, and Devin mentioned about fingerprints. And what's you know interesting about fingerprints is fingerprints are unique. But how many unique individual comparisons and points of similarity you have to have on a finger, a known fingerprint with a fingerprint recovered at a scene, is left to the discretion of the uh, person doing the comparison. Right. So. Two different experts can look at the same exact fingerprint and reach a different conclusion. Yes, they can. That is also true with firearms and yes. can be true especially with a, a projectile that was not fired. Correct. Because so the number of markings is going to be less.
1: Yeah. yeah, the numbers of markings less. Additionally, if a gun, you know, if there's a bullet that has been fired and it's fragmented, you know, the fragmented piece that you have could be identical to the same part of the bullet that you tested and you now have from the subject's weapon. However, if you were to have that full, unfragmented version of that bullet, you may end up finding out that the rest of the bullet is actually drastically different from the test bullet. At the same time, where it gets into difficulties when you don't fire a bullet is, you know, say you buy a Glock, you get the standard Glock clip with it, but you can modify your gun to your heart's desire. So you can trade out clips, you can change the firing pin, you can just change everything in your gun, which therefore doubles down and makes the job even harder for investigators because... You know, sometimes when you rack a bullet, does it leave an imprint from the magazine? So you may have a magazine that doesn't. You may have a magazine that's just completely different from the standard stock version. And it also comes to ask if that guy, if he, why, why, why would you keep a murder weapon five years after the fact that you committed the murder with, with it? And why would you at least keep the same barrel and the same Well, and what's clip?
2: crazy, too, is I was trying to find this, is when they re-interviewed him in October... Uh, they asked him, "Why would a why would your bullet be found on the scene?" And he said, "Basically, I have no idea." But he wasn't on the property. He didn't know the owner, and no one else would have used his gun. I mean, talk about pigeonholing yourself into a bullet belonging to you. Yeah,
0: he gave more statements that were hurtful to himself, yeah. but still maintained the uh, ultimate that I didn't do this. I wasn't involved in this. So, so you know, what they ultimately did is they get his gun out of the out of his house. They take, presumably. I'm assuming they, it sounds like they're comparing um, marks that were made from an ejected projectile, that the projectile at the scene appears to obviously had to be removed from the gun somehow. So it appears they believe it was ejected from the the chamber. And they're looking for ejection marks, marks that are same on the firearm they recovered. And so they will have taken the... Firearm that they recovered from Richard Allen, put the same exact type of bullet in it, and then put it through the chambering process and compare the marks. Where, again, this is trickier for them than on a spent cartridge, is on a spent cartridge, you know it was fired. Right. Now they're making assumptions about, because a, par- a cartridge can be ejected out of a gun because you re rack it when there's already one in there, right. Because it misfires. And when you don't know exactly what mechanism happened to eject that gun yeah. like you do when you know it was fired That makes things trickier. There's gonna be I mean you had to have rack it for there to be any
1: Points on it at all if it was a spare bullet in his pocket, but it could have been a misfire, too I mean, yeah, that would also show that it has a uh, could
2: be a doubly chambered bullet It could be that he racked it and turned it upside down and shook the bullet Well, out. if it was
1: a double chambered bullet that gun would probably
0: be fucked up on the inside. Well, well, yeah, Adam and I, we keep a we keep a firearm Whoa, here in our so office funny. just for self protection. And, and quite honestly, we did not know what the hell we we're doing. And we double chambered bullets ago. into our gun. Well,
1: double chambering it and firing <laughs> when there's two chambered is different. No, I well, I'm not fire. saying he does.
0: Du- he's saying he may have double chambered him and knocked one of them out. Oh, Okay, that's the thing. So they're comparing when you're co- when you're comparing a fired. Projectile you know exactly what how looking, it came out of how it gun. came out and this one you don't and so oh. that's that's a complicating factor for them and, and really that's a long way of saying in this case Almost for certain, the defense is going to have a expert that will disagree with the findings right. of the state police examination. Well,
1: you, it, I would assume that it, it almost has to be racked for there to be any points on it because if you buy just a bullet and then drop it on the ground, you're not going to be able to tell what gun ma-
0: magazine it hasn't came like from a well, gun. Well, putting or a, a gun
2: into the clip too can scrape it as well,
0: and and put it, yeah, and I the, mean the, a, a bullet, a bullet into the clip, and as the bullet. Um, advances up through the clip, it can leave marks. But the thing
1: is, is that, as I I would assume, is not one-to-one like how a barrel is. I don't, gun manufacturers aren't gonna go to pains to make the clips different as well. I mean, you could think of the amount of work it takes to make sure all your barrels are already separate from each other in any microscopic way. So to make the clips all slightly different and to make the ejection chambers all slightly different and to make the firing pins all slightly different would just be a monumental task.
2: But we know it wasn't fired. So it didn't go through the rifling. Yeah, right.
1: right. So, it, Well, that's what I'm saying is, like, how could it not also be another very similar firearm?
0: Well, that's um, going to be the argument. And that, sure. that leads us to what will be uh, one of our next upcoming episodes. We're going to take uh, we're, – we're working on getting an expert lined up where we can have them come in and explain how do you get uh, markings on firearms and, and projectiles and how you compare them. Is there – is the comparing markings left from the racking process and the magazine – Significantly different than than bullets bullet that actually been fired. We're going to try to deep dive into all those in one of our upcoming episodes. Real quick before we wrap this episode up, I do want to touch base a little bit on the the procedural, uh, some of the procedural going ons in the case. Obviously, since we last did an episode, the judge released the probable cause affidavit. It released it with redacted. The only things that really of significance that are redacted are the names of the juveniles. That's very common in our in our business. But also, since this time, the defense has also filed two motions. One motion was for um, a bail hearing. So that is going to be, and it's a let bail hearing. What a let bail hearing means is the state's evidence is so weak, the judge should consider releasing the defendant without a bond. Why is that interesting? And that's set for a hearing in February. When you do a let bail hearing, it almost forces the state to do a mini trial. Yep, smart. So they're going to have to put on a significant amount of evidence as if they were almost trying the case. And I think there'll be a lot more released into the public domain at that point as to the other evidence they have. And second, um, the, the uh, defense has also re- requested a change of venue.
2: Which that'll be granted.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was a no brainer. Uh, anytime you have a case that's this high of publicity, you had community members out searching for these girls for months and months. There's every there's not a person in Delphi, Indiana, that doesn't know a lot about this case. And a matter of fact, Central Indiana. So they're looking at moving this, very likely gonna to go to one of the corners of yep, the state. I'd say south. Yeah, Evansville or you have to go way up north.
2: Other than Judge Gall is the is the special judge and she's from up north. So
0: Yeah, presiding judges from, from Allen County. So they maybe that's a factor in, in where they end up going, but uh that will likely be granted. We'll see the, the Results of that coming up in uh, the very near future. But uh, very interesting case. So we'll continue to follow that. This on our podcast. Obviously not going to be the only thing we talk about. But as, as more and more developments come up, we'll uh, add to that and and uh, bring you up to speed. So appreciate listening today. And uh, this has been another episode of Pocket All Talks. Thank you.